Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Love of Life podcast. Here we are tonight. We have our baby strapped on. She's ready to go and she's fussy. And I'm not talking about Courtney. <laughs> okay, so um, we've had a couple of really fun interviews in the last little bit. We had Jeff Myers Sr. Yes. From Providence Reformed. That was a great interview. That was great. And it was just great to talk to Pastor Jeff. It was. What were some of your takeaways? What did you like about it? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Good. Um, well, I just really liked that he explained our service. I think that it's so different than anything that we had previously experienced or encountered if we had come to, I mean, even just a liturgical service in general, but specifically the different um, parts mm. of the service that we do. And why we do them. I mean, we've been t like experiencing it and knowing, okay, wow, this is different. This is rich. And then when you read his book mm -hmm. that I've read just part of, yeah, you were like, wow, this is like the nuts and bolts of why what we're doing on Sunday morning is so rich. It brings a purpose, even just to going to church that was just different than anything you'd ever heard yeah. um, that we'd ever heard. So, and for you. Like, why Why go to church? What did you learn from the book about why it's important to go to church? I don't know if we covered that in the interview. Was that one of the things that I said the other day? I'm like, oh, I wish we had... What was it? It's it's escaping me right now. Ba <laughs> baby's been crying for the last hour and things yeah, are... she has it. The last half an hour. So things are all muddled right now. But there was a point that I was there making. Was. What was it? Draw it out of me. Okay. You decided to do a podcast really late tonight, so... Yeah, that was my decision. That was your decision. So our baby's decision. We couldn't get on here for the last bit. So go ahead. No, we don't. This is us. This is real life. This is us. Keep going. Okay. This is not going to be edited either. So it's so ridiculous. What? You're having a what is what is going on with you? Oh boy. Okay. I'm so happy. I'm just I guess. happy. I'm just happy people are going to see a great side of you right now. You're crying. Okay, stop for a No, we can't start over. This is it. This is the Love of Life podcast. Okay. You were saying. Okay. It wasn't that funny. It really wasn't. Okay. Okay. Wow, you were so editing this. Okay. <sighs> why go to church that was something mm -hmm. i mean i think obviously we've been churchgoers our whole life but yes there was kind of a sense i guess of like why is this really important oh the gifts that the lord gives us maybe was that was that yeah, it oh, so. was that it yeah so the lord gives us that himself that was an understanding right? that yeah you yeah. didn't have ever really of I guess just making it more, wow, this is really why we go to church. Not just like, it's our duty, it's something we should do. Mm -hmm. I think the gifts were part of it. No. No. So you can tell us about that. Yeah. So the Lord gives us his gifts. He gives us himself. He gives us bread and wine. He gives us joyous occasions and children and, yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember what I, what it was. I think it was that he gives us his gifts. Okay. And 
Well, and this came out in the interview, but the meeting of heaven and earth. Yes, but that came out in the interview. We yeah. talked about that. Yeah, I know. I yeah. just said that. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was another big just takeaway from the book and what we've learned. Sure, yeah. yeah. So that was a really good interview. We really enjoyed talking to him. Um, and so tonight we had kind of two topics that we wanted to discuss and talk about. The first one is what? He- uh, death to life. Yes, right? this theme of death to life. Well... In my Bible reading, right before we had this child, mm-hmm. I read in John, and this just jumped out at me. Um, okay, there's like this phrase that's just a common phrase that people will say like, oh, childbirth, you forget all about it when you have a baby. Because, you know, just having a baby is so wonderful, you, a woman doesn't even remember the pain. That's mm-hmm. It's kind of almost become just like a, a saying. It's just something people say. Yeah. But it's actually something that Jesus said. So, right. John sixteen twenty, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So Jesus is talking to his disciples about basically, like, he's going to die. They're going to be sorrowful. They're not going to understand. They're not going to know. That sorrow is like the pain of childbirth. And then when he is resurrected, like, it will be just joy unhindered because of what he's purchased by his death. So my question as a man is because I'm a man, I can't get pregnant. And I'll never have a baby. Right. Um, 101 here, right? Um, so I can't ever experience that. So from what you've experienced five times over now, is that true? Is I the, mean, is the, is the, is, 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 is the, is the, when your there's time some sorrow, but it does the joy eclipse that sorrow? Oh. oh, totally. In ways that you're like, oh, wow, when you read the Lord's words. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. Yeah. It's, it is so true. Yes, because the labor is, it's momentary. It's, or hour, hour-ish. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's short. It's short in comparison with this child and this child's life. And yes, totally worth it. I mean, in the moment you're thinking, I thought, even in this moment, um, I'm never doing this again. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it really is awful. It's like a death. It's a death to life. Um, you And this is an Elizabeth Elliot quote, but she talks about childbirth being, you go down into death. To bring forth life and that's kind of how it feels you're going down into death you're there's a sense of dying because it's so painful it's so awful but then yeah this little life is brought forth and there's nothing like that yeah there's just nothing like that yeah i will say as uh the husband whatever it does feel like a such a traumatic event <laughs> just being alongside you the whole time that I can see it being compared to death to life. Yeah. Because even being there in the room, it kind of is this sense of, even though I'm not going through the pain physically and all that kind of stuff, there still is a sense of, oh, I don't think I ever want to see you go through this again. Yeah. Because it really is so dramatic. Yes. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. <laughs> but then the baby's born. Then the baby's born, the baby's here. It's just such yeah. joy. Yeah. Yeah. It just struck me too, like I didn't realize Jesus was the one that originally said that, and I'm sure I've read that before, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really good. All right, so in our morning time routine that mm-hmm. we have with the kids, we're going through this book called Spiritual Lives of the Great Composers. Oh, 
It's the opposite way. Okay, so <laughs> Spiritual Lives of the Great Composers. And there's this uh, composer, Charles Gounod, who I was unfamiliar with. Um, but this quote from him is, Although life precedes death in order of time, in the eternal order, death precedes life. Death is the end of existence, of what dies every day. But it is the initial moment, the birth of what never dies. That yeah. quote really stuck out to us. Yeah. And it was right around the time you had read that, the Elizabeth Elliot quote. And then we read this other death to life quote from our book. And we're like, oh, there it is again. Yeah. It seems like that happens too to us often mm-hmm. where things will happen in threes and fours or fives. I don't think there's a magic number. No. But it does happen to where there is this almost theme mm-hmm. of things. And it's all in disparate places. In the books that we're reading... In the conversations that we're having, sometimes with ourselves, with friends, people from church, whatever. Sometimes what's preached. Sometimes what's preached. We just talked about that. And then there's this sort of theme that happens. Mm -hmm. um, And that theme will sort of stay. And we'll be like, oh, look, there it is again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's very cool. It is very cool. And you just take note. like You do. Yeah. Makes you observe it. So I love that, that what looks like death here what is death here is really the beginning of true life yeah or maybe not true life but life everlasting right right yep and that is the way this that is the way uh spiritual life is ultimately where you're you're dead you know the bible says we're dead to sin but then we're made alive to god through jesus christ because of our sin we're dead well we're dead in sin we're dead because of our sin Yeah. yeah so we're dead in our sin but then we're alive yeah. So there is that born again, literal sense, spiritual sense where somebody is new. They're created, you know, they're, they're older for five years, you know, they're 10, 20, 30 years old. But then when you, when you are, when you are given eternal life, that really is a sense of you were dead, but now you're alive. And we see that throughout old and new Testament, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And we see it with the seasons. Like just something even as we see it in nature in our world. If you live in the Midwest, if, but. <laughs> yeah, but you see it, yeah, the, the seasons for sure. Yeah, you see it here, and we're seeing it now. We are. We went from complete vibrancy and life, fall and beauty, to within uh, today it snowed, and everything yeah. <laughs> looks dead and murky and dark and gray and I don't know about murky, but it looks gray and yeah. Yeah, but the light will come. But it'll come again, right? It'll come again, right? Yeah, that is interesting. And even the sunrise every day, you know, that the sun goes down. Right. And I think it's a proverb that we just read that the, what is it, that the righteous will shine like the dawn mm-hmm. and it just right. keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Right. I'm misquoting it, but it's really good and it's along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, what is it? Is it? Is it Doug that says something to the effect of every day we're preparing to die by going to sleep? Oh, yeah. So we go down in death, so to speak, in sleeping, and then we arise the next morning at the light of day. And it really is this picture of death to life that we're... we're preparing for a resurrection. We're preparing for resurrection. Yeah, yeah. That's what he talks about. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Or in Orthodoxy, G.K. Chesterton talks about how... Um, God enjoy God essentially enjoys pattern, you know, mm-hmm. uh, thinking almost like a small child. And so every single day when the sun rises up in the morning, he's basically saying again, do it again. So every day is a do it again 
from our creator. Yeah, because he enjoys He enjoys the that. Yeah, he enjoys yeah. the sunrise and he enjoys pattern. Just, every, you know, the pattern of death to life or from darkness to light. Yeah. Yeah. That's interwoven in nature. It's interwoven in scripture, in our lives, in the fabric of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so harmony of the home. Where do we want to kind of pick up that thought? Yeah. So we're given these small children, these blessings, and then we're also told to train them, to train them up mm-hmm. in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to discipline them. And you made an observation the other day. I think it might have come to mind because we've been listening to a lot of classical music as we're reading the spiritual lives of the composers. Right. We're looking up each composer. So regarding harmony in the home and orchestra music, um, having children that obey, having parents that don't grumble and complain, um, having a harmonious household is like a piece of music that's played and it's beautiful, it's melodious. But then somebody, you know, gets out of tune, somebody acts up or or a parent, uh, a dad, the mom complains, you know, frustrations mount, uh, discord comes between two of the two children, like that breaks up the home and it becomes disharmonious. It becomes a it becomes a, a, a note that's like somebody playing a piano chord that's off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, when 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 in reality we're as as believers we're we're called to you know children are called to obey their parents and the Lord. Parents are not called to exasperate their children. Like there is there is supposed to be a a harmony in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that harmony is going on, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. When parents are disciplining their children as they should, things really go well for them. Um, similarly, I was thinking it's it's uh, it's like the, the Silmarillion. Well, hold on. Before you go there, you were saying when when a child needs to be disciplined or when our bad attitude needs adjusting... It's like stopping the orchestra, saying, "Okay, wait, wait. Somebody's playing a key, right, or a note that's you know not not right, doesn't fit in this piece." Yeah. So you pause, you pause the orchestra, you correct it, you discipline that child, or you repent and you apologize because you, as the parent, have you know not had a right attitude or a right heart, and yeah. then the orchestra and, can continue. And then harmony ensues so the reason that you're disciplining or you're repenting is so that this beautiful music can play so that your home can be joyful and harmonious it's not discipline so that everyone's you know under your thumb or like the right we have to have the right picture when we're disciplining so that we do it joyfully and consistently and we have the the right outcome because we're doing it as obedience to the lord because he tells us to and then the desired result it's not you were bad and this has to, or you're annoying me. It's, no, this is for your good. You need to know how to obey the Lord. It's for, it's a blessing for you if you obey your parents. It's a blessing for you if you learn to obey the Lord. Yeah. So let's tune your note. Okay. And orchestra continue. Yes. Yes. So similar to the Silmarillion. Similar to the Silmarillion, which is Tolkien creating this world that is, uh, Essentially created by Iluvata. That's one way of saying the name of the, the God who makes Middle Earth and everything. 
he creates these um, he creates these lower in, angelic beings, or what they are is they're lower than him, of course. So there are these high angelic beings, okay, mm. and they create music. They create this beautiful harmonious music, and there's one the 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 highest of the angelic beings, Melkor, who creates a discordant note. And as a result, the fall ensues in Middle-earth. But I, I, I find it um, just fascinating that Tolkien uses the fall to, to show... He, he shows the fall of Middle-earth to these spiritual beings by creating music. And it's, it's like a symphony. But because one person, one angelic being, ruins it, he ruins it for all. And many then follow Melkor into darkness and et cetera, et cetera. It's parallel to that of what we see with the fall of Lucifer. And even in within our own homes, there's this sense of, um, of course, there's the sense of the fall, even within our Christian home, that we have to, you know, we daily repent like it exhorts us in Hebrews, not to allow bitterness to come in between, um, exhorting one another daily. Exhorting one another daily leads to that beautiful symphony that is played, um, you know, spiritually mm-hmm. in in a home. So, yeah, that was my observation. I liked it. Yeah, good. <laughs> Wonderful. Anything else? Anything else we're learning about disciplining yeah. children or... I think two things really good that we've just read and or listened to in that regard. Um, Standing on the Promises. Oh, Surprise, yeah. surprise by Doug Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Watershed book. So, so good. I mean, and he sets up in the beginning of the book kind of just this whole theology of why children, why it matters, why the kind of just the, the command and, and all of that. And then, like, there's a couple of practical application how this plays out chapters towards the end but both are great yeah the practical is great but also just the whole like ethos of why we discipline and what it's there for and all that and i think too discipline there is the practical like correction part that's needed but discipline is also teaching and training our children like deuteronomy 6 when we wake up when we go to bed when we walk along the way Mm -hmm. we're constantly putting before them that God is the maker and he made us, not we ourselves. And um, just his hand in everything, you know. No, yeah, yeah. So. And in, coupled with that in his book, Why Children Matter, he talks about when we're disciplining, we're not just disciplining this generation because this generation, our children, they're going to grow up and they're going to have kids. And they're probably going to discipline their children the way they were taught at home. Hopefully they're taught well by us. Uh, if they're not, hope, hope, which I think we are, uh, hope, I hope and pray that we are. But if, if we're not, hopefully they will gain that knowledge. But most of the time, the trajectory is that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So we're not just disciplining our children. We're through disciplining them. We're also disciplining the generation below. We're disciplining our grandchildren. Um, and we're blessing our grandchildren by disciplining this generation. And... As in turn, we're really, um, you know, to a thousand generations, you know, the, 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 the promises of covenant are, are, are with the Lord's people. So there is this sense of, and like I told you tonight or yesterday, 
we were sitting at our kitchen table with the kids and it's like, I see our kids at our kitchen table, but then there's this other, there's this picture and the table is much, much longer in my mind where it's like, here's my children. Here's my future in-law children. Here's their children. Here's their children. It's like who we have at our table today will spawn off another generation, another generation, and another generation beyond that. And it, it goes, it culminates all the way back to us right now mm-hmm. from what we're doing with, with disciplining and raising our children to uh, obey us in the Lord and to honor us and to understand biblical principles. So these foundations are extremely important. They are. Can you give us a picture of what, what does it look like to discipline your child? Your small child who's old enough to whine for what they want, know what that means, what what's like a biblical way to discipline or correct them when they need it? When they're disobeying or when they're whining, when they're How old did you say? I didn't give an age, <laughs> but I'm just saying I think you're, that, small, well, you're small children. Like okay. what's what's kind of the model that Doug sets out in that book for what godly discipline looks like? Um spanking but doing it in a way that is um, God honoring, not through anger, not through it's disciplining for their good. So it's not, you know, coming into a room and, you know, doing any kind of form of child abuse, anything of that nature. It's calm. It's controlled. It's, you know, talking about this is what you did wrong. This is the punishment. This is why you're receiving a spanking. I'm going to spank you. I'm going to spank you X amount of number of times. After you're done, it's it's restoration. You restore the child. And often and lately, you know, we pray with our kids. We pray with them um, afterwards. And then they're, you know, they're not allowed to sulk in their room or anything like that. It's no, we want you to be restored to the family. Yeah, it's over. It's dealt with. The symphony carries on. The symphony on. continues. Yeah. 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 And there's great results out of this. We really are. I mean, it's uh, um, tried and true. It's biblical. <laughs> it's it's the way in which God intended and told us to do discipline. Yeah. And yeah. where do we see that in the scriptures? What is this? Trivia? <laughs> what is this? Where do we see this in the scriptures? Yeah. Uh, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he shouldn't depart from it. Spare not the rod. Spare not the rod. He who doesn't uh, he, he who doesn't use the rod hates his son. Yeah. That's a paraphrase. Probably the NLT version or something. <laughs> yeah. I think there is like this, maybe it's especially for a mom, I don't know, but almost this false sense of mercy that you can give way to. And I think that Doug even points it out in the book. But like, oh no, it, you know, it hurts. It's painful. It's, I don't want to upset the child. I don't want to hurt the child. And you're not hurting the child. You're, you are teaching them like this path going your own way, doing whatever you want, living with lawlessness will lead to death. So it's, you're teaching a really big concept in a really small way. And you're teaching them the way of life, the way and the boundaries of obeying your parents, the boundaries of obeying God. This is good. This and doesn't is... Proverbs say one of the Proverbs we read recently was saying by disciplining your son, your daughter, you're, you're delivering them from Sheol or from mm-hmm. death, mm-hmm. right? You're actually you're literally delivering delivering their soul. 
Yeah. Because you are you are doing what well you're doing what ultimately God disciplines us as sons or as daughters because we're sons and daughters. We're not illegitimate. If we were illegitimate, we wouldn't receive discipline. Yeah. So it's because we love our children. We discipline our children. If we didn't discipline our children, we don't love them. Right. And there's that's where I'm saying that there can so, be this false sense of like, oh, yeah. I, I love my child so much I, I couldn't ever spank them. But it's like, well, then you're not listening to what the Bible teaches about what love really is. Right. That's a false sentimentality. If you really love them, you'll do what's best for them. What's good for their little heart, what's good for their little soul is teaching them that God's ways lead to life. Yes. By obeying God yourself in Hey, discipline, and I'm saying that to myself because I can I can definitely fall into that. Yeah. Like, oh no, mercy, mercy! But if every time is mercy, then you're not really teaching them anything. It's not mercy. It's not mercy. Yeah. It's not merciful to withhold discipline. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't. I don't. But I'm <laughs> no. saying, like, sometimes I have to remind myself of that and to go back to those scriptures to go, okay, well, do I believe God's word or do I believe my emotions and my feelings? Right. In any particular moment, but again, I think with what we've learned that it's prompt that it's calm and controlled and for the purpose of restoration that all helps too because yeah. it's not this big ugly thing or you yeah. know it's okay no. you know you you disobeyed and so we're going to talk about that you disobeyed and here's the punishment and then now that's over yeah. it's done and prayer and then you just go right back to what yep. you're doing yep that's right the other video we just watched that I thought was so good, it's much shorter than that book, but um, it was by Jared Longshore, mm, and that's right. it's, what was it called? Something About Spanking. Yeah. It was so good. I yeah. need to listen to it all the time. I've only listened once, but yeah, I hate to, and he calls spanking like a few different things. The like, magic wand? The magic wand, the love stick. The love like, stick. But he also presents like this idea that it is for joy. Yeah. It is for restoration. It is for... Um, the good of all. Yeah. And sometimes I think our expectations of what children are capable of is very, very small. And he yeah. kind of points that out. Like, they can sit still. They can listen. They can, um, you know, be a good part of, even young. Even yeah. young. Yeah. Well, this is a bigger talk than what we're going to have. But one of the reasons that we have a lawless generation is because, first and foremost, people have not been disciplined correctly. Mm -hmm. by their parents correctly, lovingly, um, you know, in in a way that restores a child, not, you know, not um, does any harm, true harm to to a child. We're not talking about that at all. But we can see in our current generation just, yeah, people have not, kids that have been brought up who have no understanding of discipline, have no understanding of self-government, have no understanding that, yeah. to control, to have any even self-control. We see a lot of that, but... Yeah. yeah, well, and I think the point is, if you are disciplined rightly, biblically, in a godly way, then you come to love, you come to love the fruit of it. Yeah. And it's internalized, and it becomes self-government. So it is a way of teaching your children self-government and it also raises the standard for us too you know yeah we're gonna discipline for whining and that be like a it's not tolerated because the bible calls whining sin grumbling and complaining or what the israelites did over and over that made god so angry then we can't whine and complain and we we sometimes do and so then we are practicing in front of them what repentance looks like 
um, and asking for forgiveness when we've had a wrong attitude or wrong heart. So it's not a standard that we're saying you must live by, but we won't. Like we are also living by it. Yeah. Or seeking to, and then (laughs) repenting when we don't. Right. So I think that's a beautiful picture though, too. And it's honest and it's what the Christian life looks like. We love God's commands. We seek to follow them. And when we don't, we have to repent. Yeah. Yeah. And we know that there's grace there. Right. And, you know, Ephesians 6, 1, right? Children, uh, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Mm -hmm. Right. So not to go complete down another path, but even regarding the covenant, like these children, our home is a Christian home. It's it's a covenant-minded home where our children are already, you're in the Lord. So you will be disciplined. You should obey in the Lord. If they if children are, you know, not in the Lord, they're what? Pagans? They're, you know, pagans running around in your home. It's like, no, you're 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 a Christian. You're in our household. So we need to discipline you as sons and daughters. Yeah, and that, that scripture is written in the New Testament to a church of Gentile converts. Right. So when it's saying children obey your parents in the Lord, it's acknowledging that they're part of God's family. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, anything else? Not from me. Not from you. Okay. Um, coming up, we have, at some point in the near future, we have George Grant uh, going to come on the pod, and uh, we're going to interview him. I'm Highly looking forward to that. I've listened to George since I was a little kid um, and still love and enjoy listening to him. That date is not firmed up yet with him, so we will uh, figure out when that will be. But we're looking forward to that. And uh, until next time, thank you for joining us. Thanks.